I'm so glad to be here on this Sunday morning. We're glad to have every guest here. We're glad to have every student here, every teacher here. And today we're going to do something special. We're going to honor our students and our teachers. And I'm going to give a word that I felt that was laid upon my heart. It's a little bit more of a serious word, but I feel like it's fitting for the time that we live in today. It's, it's an outward-reaching word, and I really hope that we take it with us and we carry it along our way. So if you have your Bibles, if you would quickly turn with me to John chapter 6. We're going to move ahead quickly to the next portion of the service. John chapter 6, and we're going to take our reading from verse 26. If you have it, say amen. It says this, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on me, on him whom he hath sent. And they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, which is truly, truly, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father give you the true bread from heaven. For the bread that that the, the for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. I'll say that one more time. Pastor, you said it this morning. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the answer. He is everything we need. And this ain't in my notes, so that was free. You're welcome. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Say, I'm never going to be hungry. I'm never going to be hungry. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence that's already in this room. God, I pray right now that you begin to minister to your people. Let your spirit fall. Let your word fall from heaven, God. Fill me. Use me as a vessel, God. Take these lips of clay and form words that you want me to speak this morning. God, help me to remove myself and let you shine through. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. You may be seated. Let's give God one big hand clap. The Snickers bar. How many knows what a Snickers bar is? Come on. We like Snickers. I love them. Amen. The Snickers bar is one of the best known and most familiar candy bars in the United States of America. The Snickers bar has been around since 1930 and has delighted people who love nutty, caramelly, and chocolatey treats all alike. Snickers bars are sold everywhere in the U.S. From movie theaters to grocery stores, anywhere. They are one of the most familiar products made by the Mars Company. The Snickers bar, who we all come to love and to cherish. It goes in our baskets when we do our harvest festival because we're not going to use that other word. The Snickers bar had, yeah, it's, but we're not. 
The Snickers bar has dominated the candy bar market since it has stepped onto the scene since the 1930s. Until today, Brother Hodge, it's still, it's still one of the best. I still crave them from time to time. Snickers. They have this amazing ad team that's behind the product, making it more memorable and exciting, and it's made it what it is today has been the ad team. You see, in the early 80s, the Snickers bar used the tagline, it's too satisfying, focusing on the Snickers being a healthy choice that would give you loads of energy or possibly a sugar rush. There wasn't nothing healthy about that Snickers bar. Let's just be honest today. But sales went out the roof. But as time progressed and sales began to slow down, the ad team went back to the drawing board and ultimately produced one of the more recognizable phrases today, and I'm sure you could finish it, which is, Hungry, why wait? With this newfound slogan, the company made commercials showing sports figures and hungry kids eating Snickers bars to get them through the challenging situations that required that they be energized and alert. It was catchy, and it worked. And I'm sure that you've used it before in your life. Hungry, why wait? But the most famous ad campaign associated with the Snickers bar came in 2010 when the company coined the phrase, you're not you when you're hungry. This clever campaign design has been used and reused and reused since the year of 2010 when the first commercial with this tagline aired at the Super Bowl. This campaign featured people acting in all types of ridiculous ways. People acting like they weren't themselves, being mad, being upset, and then someone looking at them and saying, Hey, eat a Snickers bar. You're hungry because you're not yourself when you're hungry. And then they eat the Snickers bar and they just magically appear back to themselves. Because you're not you when you're hungry. Let's just be honest this morning. We're not us when we're hungry. And it's this phrase that resonates with me this morning. That we're not us when we're hungry. And I would say the people at the Snickers bar plant, at Mars, whoever they were, that ad team, that amazing group of individuals got it right because we're not us when we're hungry. And if we don't eat quickly, we can move from hungry to hangry. How many knows about being hangry in here this morning? I mean, it's one thing to crave a snack. It's one thing to want a bag of chips. It's one thing to want a Snickers bar. But it's another thing entirely to be so famished, to be so mad, to be so upset because you're hungry that when someone says something to you, you look and say, don't even look at me. Don't breathe at me. Don't squint at me. Don't call my name. Don't say my name. Don't look my way. I am hungry. Has anybody ever been there before? I've been there. I was there this week. Taylor knew I was writing this sermon. I got home from work the other day. I didn't eat. I wasn't fasting. I just got too busy. I'm not super spiritual in that aspect. I wasn't fasting. I'm not going to play it out. But I was mad. And she said, that sermon you're about to preach, you need to apply it to your life. You're hangry right now. I said, you're right. Give me something to eat. But it's so easy to move from hungry to hangry. We are hungry and we are mad about it. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. You see, hunger, our body is our body's way of saying, 
You better feed me if you want me to live. If you don't eat something real soon, I'm going to die. It's our body's way of speaking to us, letting us know, man, you need to eat. We don't have to remind ourselves that we're hungry this morning. I don't know the last time that I really needed to remind myself that I was hungry, Brother Glass. I just know. I just know. I'm getting hungry right now talking about it because I walk around hungry. You can tell. It's a built-in sense. No one has to remind you and no one has to remind me that we're hungry. Because when it's time to eat, old Chase knows it's time to eat. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen to that? But hunger, we're talking about hunger this morning. It's a real thing. And people all across this great country, this great nation, and all around the world are being, are dying, excuse me, because of hunger. Hunger is the number one killer in the world. One in nine people are hungry right now in this world. Think about that. Which equates to 820 million people worldwide. They're hungry. 820 million people are walking around this planet right now just saying, man, I just wish I could just get something to eat. This week, excuse me, 25,000 people die each day from hunger. This week alone, 170,000 people have died from starvation. This year, up to this moment, I checked it before I came out. This year alone, 5,852,700 people have died this year from hunger. And an astounding 9 million people die every day from hunger or hunger-related related diseases. This is, more, this is more prominent than AIDS, malaria, tuberculosis combined. Hunger is the biggest, baddest killer out there. There is no killer like being hungry. Don't believe me? Start skipping some meals and let's see how you act and see how you live and see how you carry yourself because we all battle with hunger. And there's an obvious hunger problem in our world today. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but there is a hunger problem also in the church. You see, we are all hungry, and we are all thirsty. There's no doubt about that. But the real question is, what are we hungry for? You see, Jesus... He looks at a group of people that just took a boat ride across the Sea of Tiberias just to find him because he'd fed them a few days before when the 5,000 was fed. He looks at a group of people, and it's here where Jesus looks at that group of people, and he says, you're not seeking me for the miraculous. You're not seeking me for a better life. You're not seeking me because you want to change the way you live. Man, you're hungry. You want your belly filled. You want a quick fix, and you want to move out of the way. You want to slap a Band-Aid on it, and you want to move on but it's there where Jesus looks at our human condition and says this type of hunger will not suffice because you may eat here but you will be hungry again but those that eat from me those that eat my meat shall never hunger and those that drink from my well shall never thirst and I'm here this morning to tell somebody that it doesn't matter where you're at in your life we serve a God his name is Jesus and if you are hungry for him, he will meet you where you are at this morning. 
come here for a better life. You came here for food. Came here for a free meal, a full belly. But man, are you seeking the wrong kind of food. The food that you're after, it's going to perish. It won't last. You'll be right back here again tomorrow. Right back in here again tomorrow. Just as soon as this meal passes, you're like, I'm hungry. You're hungry. He looks and says, you're hungry. I can see that. But you are seeking after the wrong meat. Jesus says, I, I, me, I am the bread of life. And he that comes after me, not everything else, he that will turn his desires on me will never hunger again. He that drinks from my well will never thirst. He believe, he that believes. It's where, G, it's, in G, it's where Jesus, excuse me, says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It is not ironic or by some type of chance that Jesus uses the term hunger to describe the way we feel or the way we should feel by wanting more of him. You see, hunger, it's the one thing that we all have in common. Thirst is the one thing, the things that we have in common. Our hunger is something that we can never forget. It's something that you just can't put in the back of your mind. Your body begins to shut down. Your mind stops working. You start mistreating people. You get irrational. You get emotional. You get worked up. You look like the preacher this morning, sweating drops of bullets just because you're hungry because our body just knows. We just know. Jesus says, blessed, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for they will, fit, will be filled. And oh, I love this scripture. It's a scripture spoken directly from the Lord that completely debunks the term. You're going to love this one. I'm just not being fed. How many times have you heard that? People leaving churches every day. I'm just not being fed. That church just don't feed me. That pastor just don't preach to me. They don't got enough events going on. They don't do enough stuff. I need more stuff because I'm not being fed. Oh, no. This scripture debunks that and says that is false. I can't go to church anymore. I, can't, I just need to go somewhere that feeds me. But boy, do I have some disappointing news for you this morning. This is how you feel. You can cross that sea all, all over again if you want to. You can be like those Israelites and take shipping and cross that sea. But I got some news for you this morning. When you make it to the other side, you're going to be met with a Jesus with nail-scarred hands and says, I'm sorry to tell you, you have crossed the sea for the wrong reason. I am the bread of life and anyone that thirsts for me shall be filled. But what it takes this morning is us getting hungry. It's not a problem of being fed. It's a problem of where we are being fed. It's a problem where we are placing our attention. It's saying, God, I know I've been feeding myself with everything else, but you better believe for the next few years of my other rest of my life, I'm going to be fed by you. You may be seated. The food that you're seeking, it's not going to sustain you. But many of us, the truth of it is, we're walking around hungry, right? We continue to live off of things that can't suffice our appetite. It's the word of God that will sustain you. 
It was Paul. Not me, not pastor, not Brother Hodge, not some preacher, not Pentecostalology, not some catechism. It was Paul that said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither are you able now. i got to tell you something this morning. It's been inside my heart and it's been in my crawl. Do you know who drinks milk? Babies drink milk. Babies drink milk. It's the milk that keeps you alive. We have to have it. But that milk costs you nothing. You can come in here on a Sunday morning and pastor can preach one of the greatest words you can ever hear in your life and we get fed with that milk but that milk will not sustain you. It's good stuff. It's free. It's relevant. It'll change your life but until you take what he has given you and apply it to your life you are just going to continue drinking from a fountain of milk walking around hungry and saying I'm just hungry. I'm just hungry. We were never meant to live off of milk alone. Furthermore, I don't think I would expect anybody in this room to live off of two meals a week. A Sunday sermon can't sustain you for the whole week. It can't. I know I'm not preaching anything popular this morning. You may not like me afterwards, and I pray that you'll get over it, and let's just be friends. But I just got to tell you the truth. There's just no way possible to come in here and catch a sermon on Sunday and possibly, maybe just by chance, show up on Wednesday night because your kids are here and you feel bad to show up in here and get what you need, and they'll still be sustained. This calling of God will cost you everything. It ain't cheap. It ain't free. And if you want it, it's going to cost you your Life. It's a lack of feeding ourselves. It's a lack of feeding ourselves with this word. And what's crazy is I'm pretty sure if we walk in anybody's house right now, we can find one of these ancient books that none of us don't really know what it is, and it's, it's just sitting on a desk somewhere. Food. I'm hungry. We'll eat. I'm hungry, we'll eat. I'm thirsty, we'll drink. We have a hunger problem. We have a hunger problem. But it's the lack. It's the lack of feeding ourselves that makes us malnourished. We walk around, what we do, defeated, mad, hopeless, anxious, depressed, oppressed, just mad at the world. You want to know why? Because you're not you. When you're hungry, you're not yourself when you're hungry. And you, you can't feed yourself from worldly desires and expect to be fed by a heavenly father. When you don't feed, and when you don't feed your desires, you become hangry. Because the truth of it is, we were never meant to live off of milk. Paul said, we were meant to be meat eaters. We were meant to, I'm sorry for all you vegetarians and you vegans, but we were meant to eat the meat of the word. Jesus says, eat my meat. He who eats mine, he'll have, oh, come on, oh, Jesus' name. But we were never meant to live off of milk. It's the meat that sustains us, but it's meat that costs us. It's the meat that you have to step outside of getting milk on a Sunday morning and start hurt searching. To eat meat, you got to become a hunter. To eat meat, you got to become a tracker. To eat meat, you got to go out and kill it yourself. For your family, daddy's mamas, for your family to eat meat, 
you got to build an altar at your house. And I'm not even going to start beating on that horse right now. But you got to build an altar at your house. To be a meat eater, you got to say, you know what? I'm hungry. And I know that if I just begin to just dig, isn't that crazy? If I just begin to dig through this Bible here, there's got to be something that ha- that's going to deal with my situation. And I'm going to tell you right now, 100 times out of 100, not 10 out of 10, a million times out of a million, if you are hungry and you begin to search this word of God, you will be filled by God. But to be a meteor, you got to learn to look, know what you're looking for. we got hunters in this room this morning. You don't just jump out in the woods. Man, we buy cameras. I went out with Pastor and put some cameras out. We put out feeders. We put scent on our clothes. Man, we go to extreme lengths just to try to attract a deer or a turkey or whatever else you may hunt, rabbits, ducks, blake, whatever it is. We go through extreme lengths just to be good hunters. But when we get to the word of God, we have this breakdown. And we think, you know, I really don't need the meat. I can just continue to live off the milk. And then we fight with everything we fight with during the weekend. We wonder why. And we make statements like, I'm just not being fed. He ain't feeding me. Really. Because you're not sitting in the same preaching I'm sitting in. You're not sitting in the same church I'm sitting in. Because there ain't been a Sunday I walked up and ain't been fed. There ain't been a Wednesday where I haven't walked here and been fed. This is a praying church. This is a Bible-believing church. This is the church of the living God. This is the church that was bought with a price and it's been the name of Jesus. This is God's church. And if you leave here hungry, baby, I got some bad news for you. It's your own fault. But you got to step into the woods. You got to start hunting. You got to step into the word. Of God, and you got to start looking. Milk is for mama. It's free. But meat, we go find that for ourselves. Jesus said it, not me. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for it, for they shall be filled. But the real question this morning is what are we hungry for? So to say that I'm just not being fed. And I hate to harp on this, but I really don't at the same time. To say that I'm not being fed is not an accusation against the church. No, 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 it's really a confession. It's a confession that the fact that you're hungry is you're seeking after something other than God. If you have made the statement, I'm hungry, I'm not being fed, maybe you should go step into your prayer closet if you can find one, build one, make one, we'll help you. Get you some scriptures, get you an old Bible, knock the dust off of it and feed yourself. I want to have revival, but until we feed ourselves, we ain't having revival. We ain't. Until we start having prayer revivals and word revivals. Until it's the everything that you have to find the word of God. We ain't having it. But I believe I'm in a group of believers this morning that they're hungry for revival. And I have a word for you. If you want it, search for it. If you want it, go get it. If you think it's yours, it is. Many are called, few are chosen. So what I got to tell you this morning is stop letting God knock on your door and answer the door because he's calling you and it's time for us to be chosen. But how? Will I be fed? It's how am I feeding myself? And I love stats. I'm a stats guy. Statistics are probably some of my favorite things because they tell the truth, right? We can stand here all day and scoff and mock and say, that ain't so. 
No, baby, the numbers say so. And if the numbers say so, it is so. And according to recent data, the average person spends three hours and 15 minutes on their phones each day. I'm about to get where you're living. Hold your arrows to after church. Most mobile phone users pick up their phones and check it 63 times a day. Americans, the first number was the world. We got the real problem. Americans spend an average of screen time of 5.4 hours on their phones each day. Five hours? And you ain't got time to pray? Uh, 13% of millennials, and this hurts me because unfortunately I'm a millennial. I don't like to claim it. I love the rest of y'all. I'm more, I feel like I got a boomer mindset, okay, but I'm millennial. It is what it is. But 13% of millennials spend over 12 hours a day, 12 hours a day on their phone. As a result, we are becoming more and more consumed by our own lives, con conforming to the world that we live around, completely neglecting the scripture where Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. I don't see any time to renew my mind when I'm on my phone for 12 hours. I'm just trying to be honest with you this morning. But as a result, people are being more and more consumed by their lives, their own lives, conforming, fitting in. Meeting the status quo, living an average life. It's cool with that. I just want to get through, make my post, have 15 people like it, pat myself on the back, post my scripture on my story. Everybody gives me a thumbs up. I'm doing good. I'm living life. I'm a Christian. Boy, don't we know how to have church, don't we? But we want more out of life. We desire more out of life. It's our innate ability. It's built in our DNA to want more. To want more. If you don't believe me, we're living in a consumer-driven world. There's new cars being bought every day. New houses being built with people that are perfectly fine. You know why? Because it's nothing wrong with that. One day I'm going to get me a new house too. It's just we're in a consumer-driven world because we want more. And the whole time wanting more, we're just living off milk, eating junk food along the way, coming to church on a Sunday, giving God what's left, giving Him His hour and a half, and then on the other end, spending an average on our phone 37.8 hours a week just playing. I'm not against phones. I have a phone. I have phones. I love my phone. I like my phone. I don't say love it. I probably do. But some of us have a relationship with our phones. I mean, y'all going steady. Did you buy a ring? I mean, take it from you and you'll start to convulse on the floor like a little three-year-old. It's the truth. It's funny, but it's true. It's the facts. I'm not against phones. It's made my life really convenient. You can set, you can set a home alarm from a phone. You can unlock your keys out of your car from your phone. You can watch church service. Welcome those that are by the way of the web on your phone. Do lots of things on your phone. But Lord forbid that our phone or anything else take the place of our God. And that's just our phones. That's not including all the other things that we chase after looking for some false fulfillment and some false sense. And I'm not even getting on that today because I've already probably upset you. But there's only one thing that can fill you this morning. There's only one thing that can give you that fix, that can sustain you. God. His name is God. His name is Jesus. 
we got to get past this. God, here's my hour and a half. Change my life. Give me a quick fix. Place a band-aid on it. I'll see you next week. God, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. That was a good word. I'm not going to apply that to my life at all. You weren't preaching to me. That's what we're living. All the while, we're called to be the church. We're called to be the church. Brother Eric, we're called to be the church. All the while, souls of our friends and our families way into the balance of heaven and hell and we're just sitting here spending 40 hours on our phone like we got all the time it's no big deal right but how and where are we feeding ourselves where's our desires and are our desires his desires does my life line up with what he's told me my life should look like there is a hunger problem in this world we have to feed ourselves or we can feed others. But we got to feed ourselves so we can feed others. That's the facts. We're no help to anyone else half dead. We'd be the blind and the blind, blind leading the blind, and we'd both fall in the ditch. We have to feed ourselves so we can reach the world. We have to eat if we want to live. We got to eat this book. We got to eat his word, and we got to eat his flesh, and we got to take of his life. And we must return to our first love. We have to fall in love with Jesus all over again. The book of Revelations talks about it. says, you have left your first love. God forbid I'm that person that ever left their first love. The truth of it is, is Brother Hodge, we have a world to reach. And it's a lot to do for three men or two men or the rest of y'all that are hell. It's a lot to do for ten people. We need everybody. We got a world to reach. And it's time for the church. Take your finger. Say, I'm the church. Say, I'm the church. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm the church and you're the church. It's time for the church to step up and be the church and be what God has called us to be. But it starts by us feeding ourselves so we can help others. This world needs us, this world needs Jesus, and this world needs the church. It needs a healthy church, it needs a church on fire, it needs a book of Acts church, it needs a church not, that's not afraid to work in the miracles, it needs a church that's not afraid to step out in signs and wonders, it needs a church that's not afraid to let the fire of the Holy Ghost fall, it needs a church that worships, it needs a church that prays, it needs a church that loves and communicates and that's a body of believers. This world needs the church. As we sit here this morning, you may be seated. 15 American adults struggle with alcohol disorders. There's just some more stats to think on this morning. One in eight Americans are alcoholics. That's roughly 13% of our country. Right now, as we sit here in this room this morning, 19.7, you might as well almost call it 20 million adults battle with substance abuse. The Journal of Marriage and Divorce concludes that a mind-blowing 70% of married Americans cheat at least once in their marriage. 40 million American adults visit pornography sites each day. 10% of Americans admit to having an addiction to pornography. An estimated 3.5 adults in the U.S. identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. This implies that there is roughly 9 million LGBT Americans. This is roughly the size of New Jersey, Pastor. In 2021 alone, 
the United States murder rate was estimated to be more than 19 million, I mean 19,600 people. We have a hunger problem and our world needs us. By the eighth grade, 52% of our teenagers have consumed alcohol. That's where it starts, but I saved this because I probably would have made it to the other if this would have been first. This is, this, is, this is where I get mad. This is where I want to fight. That's mine. That's my babies. That's my kids. Sorry, moms and dad, they're yours too, but they're mine. I pray over them. I look after them. I, 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 I pour into them. They have every moment of my life. I give more than I probably should because my life revolves around my kids. And it bothers me to read this next staggering little bit of information. 52. 52% of teenagers have consumed alcohol in the 8th grade. 41 have smoked cigarettes and battled with some type of nicotine addiction. 20% have used marijuana. In 2006, a study revealed that 2.1 million teens abused prescription drugs. Imagine that number today. And as we sit here on these cushy pews with our AC, there's a world hungry. As we sit here singing praises, lip. We have liberty. It's wonderful. We, we can come in here and we can just raise our hands and just step into the presence of God. But outside of these four walls, i got to tell you this morning, I'm just going to preach to you because that's just what I know to do. Outside of these four walls this morning, there is a world that is dying and they're on their way to hell. And unless you and me and the rest of us get on board and say either pull it with me or get out of the way because we got a world to reach. We got souls to grab. There are hungry people in this world. Hungry people dying every day. And I just wonder this morning, is there still some church people? Is there still a church body? Is there still a CLC that says, you know what? They're hungry, so I'm going to do my part to make sure they're fed. I'll pray an extra prayer shift. I'll read my Bible a little bit more. I'll fast a day a week. I'll give more. I'll bring my kids to church. I'll invite somebody. I just wonder this morning, is there anybody that still cares about hungry people? Is there anybody that still cares that there's a world dying? And you and I, you can stand to your feet. I'm coming to a close, have been afforded this amazing opportunity in life. We have been given the truth. We have been given the word of God. We get to walk down the school halls every day with people that need Jesus, walking around, living in our heads, saying, I just wish I could find somebody to tell Jesus, to teach them about Jesus. Newsflash, 10 of them just passed you in the hallway. Teachers, you have been given an extreme opportunity as well as a heavy burden to carry it's your job to teach them but it's also your job to feed them and God forbid that any more of Jesus is taken out of our schools we got hungry people in this world Gage you like hungry people me and you spoke one time coming home from men's conference we begin to talk we begin to dream about 
feeding the hungry, about feeding broken people, lost people. And I still want to do it. Summer's been wild. We're going to do it. But let me tell you something. We begin to talk about broken people and how their lives are turned upside down and how they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And that's wonderful that we can step outside of ourselves and think about people like that. But man, if we can't step outside of these four walls and say, man, there are people dying that don't know about Jesus. There are people dying that's never heard of your name. There are people dying that don't know there's a better way there's a free gift it's Jesus, it's the Holy Ghost I just wonder is there anybody that's still a soul winner in here Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 9 verse 37 and 38 he says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly you know what earnestly means? I mean, it, it's, it's like probably like the hardest prayer you can possibly find. You know, pray earnestly that God will send laborers into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. And there are souls crying out at this very moment. You better believe it. Will we answer the call? Will we answer the call? Or will we be consumed with feeding ourselves with junk food? Always say, God, I want your food. Will we be consumed with, I just need my hour and a half, Pastor. Preach it to me real good, real hot. Make me feel bad. I'm not going to do it, though, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to check you next Sunday. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? I ask you this morning, ask yourself, am I okay with that? Am I okay? And how would I feel if it was my kids? How would I feel if it was my brother or my sister or my mama or my daddy or my family members? Would I still be just okay with that? The truth of it is, if you're a good person, I believe there's 100% good people in this church this morning. The answer is no, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I'm not, I am not. I am, I'm, Judy, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. And if you are, then me and you need to talk later. I'm gonna give you a nod on the head. I'm gonna get Jaden and the other big guys to help me. And then we're gonna pray because we're not okay with that. We're not okay with people going to hell. We have a work to do. We have a mission at hand. We have been called. We have been commissioned. The Word of God says in Matthew 28, 19, and it has no expiration date. Go ye therefore in teaching all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, which we know is the name of Jesus, but we've been called to go. And I ask you this morning as I come to a close, are you prepared to go? Are you prepared to reach? You can't feed somebody when you're hungry. You can't help anybody when you're hungry. You can't help anybody when you're malnourished. You can't make it through here living hangry and expect God to work and treat you like you're hungry. You better get hungry for His Word. In Jesus' name, let's bow our heads. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. God, we thank You for who You are. God, we thank you for how wonderful you are. God, I pray right now that this word will take a hold of us. God, that you will teach us to be soul winners. God, there is no better way to enter in our school year than to be entering and being soul winners. Now, that's what we're commissioned to do. We're commissioned to win souls. We're commissioned to, uh, commissioned to reach the lost. And I pray, God, that this word doesn't fall on deaf ears this morning. God, that you'll give us another Pentecost in our churches. God, that you'll give us a Book of Acts revival and set our churches and our families on fire for you in Jesus' name.
And everyone said amen. Give Brother Chase a great hand. What a message today. Hallelujah. What a great message. And I want to tell you something. He spoke truth here today. Spoke great truth here. Who wouldn't want to leave their hands, I mean their kids in the hands of a student pastor like this? And that's every day, folks. I'm going to brag on them a little bit, okay? When I get here every morning, Chase is not in his office. He's in the prayer room every day. He practices what he preaches every day. So he's not just speaking to you words today to be a sermon. He's speaking to you today from the heart. You know what the Bible said, and I'm, I, I, can't, I can't add anything to his message today, but Proverbs said this, The full soul loatheth the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. You know what that means? Sometimes we get to be a bunch of fat, full Christians. We get used to the move of God and used to the singing and used to the worship and used to the preaching, and it don't mean a whole lot to us anymore. I love it when fresh people come to this church. I, I, I love to see the hunger in people. But we come sometimes, I'm, I'm just being honest, we get to be a small bunch of people. Now look, he was preaching some stuff today that needed to be said. If you leave this church or if you go somewhere and say, well, I just ain't getting fed. I, he's right. I get two shots at you a week. If you're waiting on me to keep you healthy, I'll preach the word to you. But you better get the word in you every day. If you're waiting on me to start, save your life of hunger, you, you're going to die hungry. Amen. Don't be loath in the honeycomb. Be a hungry soul to where every song means something, every testimony means something. Everything that you do is important to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Chase. What a moving message this morning. Our students ought to take that to school with them every day. Our teachers ought to take that to school with you every day. My wife is a counselor, and I know we got time. Just hold tight here. My wife's a counselor, and every once in a while, she'll come home and say, I had somebody come see me today, and they wanted to talk to me about church, and she's, she's governed by what she can really say and what she, but, you know, she just lets them talk. And uh, at the end of the day, she don't even tell them she's a pastor's wife. She don't tell them a whole lot. But she can direct them through the word of the Lord, and people are finding hope in the word of the Lord. It's not about me or it's not about you. It's about hungry people finding God. Can you say amen to that? Hungry people finding God. Hallelujah. Students, I want you all students. Let's do this first. Come here, Ever. Bring that basket with you, baby. My heart's broken today because I'm going to take Ever's basket away from her at her request. She says, just set it right there. I know it. Can you hold it? Okay. Come here. This, this, this ain't an ordinary kid, folks. She sent word to me, Pastor, I have everything I need for school. 
would you draw again and give this to somebody else? If you can't appreciate that, your appreciator's broke. Amen? She's special. This is Brother Chase's daughter, by the way. So give her another big hand. So I'm going to do what she wants to do. I'm not going to beat her out of a blessing. I'm going to draw another number, and she's going to present this to the next person. Here's the next student, 688-9900. 688-9900. Surely you hadn't thrown your ticket away. 688-9900. All over this house. Who's got that ticket? Somebody's got that ticket. Is it one of those jewel kit? Yep. Come on. Come on. Come on. Isn't that awesome? Here. I want you to... name right because I got it wrong not long ago. This is Brendan. I got him and his brother mixed up. But this is Brendan Jewell, one of our wonderful young men in this church. Isn't that awesome today? Give Brendan a hand and give Abraham. Hallelujah. And I love the Jewels. Michael and Christy Jewell. I don't say it often, but you they're new around here, pretty new. But thank God for them. Amen. All students, every age, come and stand around the front of this church. All teachers. You know what? I'd like to do it a little different. Teachers, if you'll just gather right in here. Students all over the front. That's right. Just stand right around the front there, baby. That's good. That's good. All students. Amen. Let these little ones come up here, and you taller ones maybe can stand down, and, and we, can, we can see everybody. That's great. Come on, every student. Don't be afraid. Pack the front of this church out. Pack it out. Come on. They're coming from everywhere. All teachers of any kind. Come on, meet me. Brother Hodge, stand right here. Come on. Here's, here's all of our teachers. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's right. Bring those kids down. Thank you, Jared. Thank you for bringing your baby. Amen. This is wonderful. Teachers, right here. That's great. That is great. Isn't this awesome today? Look at our kids. Look at our students. This is awesome. Now, before I do anything today, before we have any kind of special prayer or anything else, I want to, I want them to, those of you in charge of the things that you're going to hand out, Sister Bethany, would you take care of that this morning? Every student's going to get something this morning. Sister Bethany Sonye, thank you for putting this together. She has a little team working with her today. Isn't that great? Wonderful. Hand every one of them. And while you're handing those out, I'm going to say something to you today. We're a little bit late this year with our back-to-school prayer. They've already been in school a week, some of them two weeks. But let me just tell you, we had a lot happening. I had special guests and all of that. But we're timing this perfect because people are home now and, and, and kids are back in school. And they've had a week or so to know what we're facing in this generation. And let me tell you, these kids... Are, are facing things in their schools that you don't even know about and you can't even imagine. It's not like it was when I was going to school. It's not like it was, Mom and Dad, when you were going to school. It's a totally different day. You heard some powerful, 
statistics today. What we want to do is keep our kids from that. We want to save them from that. And if we can instill in them the word of the Lord and prayer and the things of God now and let them know the importance of who they are and what they are. Now make sure everybody, all these students, did you get one of those pencils? And No. Here's some up here, Bethany, right here. Students. We got students. Here's some right over here. Make sure every student gets a pencil with that little card with it, okay? Thank you. Thank you. They need to know this church is standing behind them. And they need to know the pastor standing behind them. They need to know the Sunday school teacher standing behind them. They need to know their parents are standing behind them. And kids, I'm going to acknowledge something today. You stand up for what's right, and I'll be there to fight for you to the dying breath. Because we need kids that believe in God and believe in the church and believe in the holy things of God and you stand up for what's right and you are going to be okay. Does anybody believe that? There's a lot of stuff that I never dreamed would happen in a schoolhouse. A lot of stuff going on. Somebody made mention to me this morning said, uh, I, I didn't realize there was so many transgenders in our community and in our parish because they had, a, had to deal with some of that. And I said, brother, it's not just in the world. It's in Washtenaw Parish. It's right here where we live. We're facing things we've never faced before. So we're going to take a moment and do it a little different today. They all have their pencils, and we're going to have some special prayer. And the first one that's going to pray is Brother Austin Box. He's going to pray over the students today. What a fine young man. He just graduated last year. He's a guitar player in this church. He's as good a young man as you'll ever find. And he's a wonderful Christian. And furthermore, I've watched him over the last few weeks and months. He's on fire for God. Austin, I want you to come pray over every student in our house today. Um, they, they didn't ask me to preface this with anything. I'm not too big on public speaking anyways. I took a speech class in high school, and that was about it. But I, I really do love these kids, whether it's kids that I've pretended to be Montana Jones with them at VBS or these people that I get to bond with on Wednesdays, these people who I really do love. I don't just see them as my friends and as kids. I see them as my brothers and my sisters. I see them as soldiers that we're sending out to war with the enemy. And I refuse, I refuse to let these kids go into a battlefield that I'm, I'm just now entering no man's land. I just graduated, I'm at college. It, I've, I've seen things in just this week that I've been at school that I never imagined I'd see at Washtenaw Christian. I refuse to let them go out into this battlefield without a weapon without a shield, without armor. And guys, I can't tell you enough. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it in anything in this world. You're not going to find it in alcohol. You're not going to find it in drugs. You're not going to find it in sex. You're going to find it in that word. That's where it is. 
I just want y'all to be safe. I've seen some of the best people that I've ever met get ruined by that stuff because they refuse to sit down in a church pew. They refuse to listen to their pastor. Even if they went to a Baptist church, that doesn't matter. But these people who have refused God, who refused their love, I've seen what it does, and I don't want it to happen to any of y'all because I love y'all so much. I'm going to pray for y'all. And I'm going to be entirely honest, I didn't, I didn't come with a speech or anything. I didn't want, I don't want to say what I want to say. I want to say what God wants to say. I want him to use me. If y'all just bow y'all's heads with me. God, I thank you. I thank you for the blessings that you've poured out over this church already and over these kids, over this youth ministry, Lord God. God, I pray that you would cement in them the knowledge, Lord, that they matter, Lord, that there's a church backing them, that there's a youth ministry backing them, that I'm backing them, God. I pray that you would let them know that there's always somebody who loves them, Lord, whether it is this church or whether it is you, God. Lord, they never walk alone, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would protect them, Lord God. Place a hedge of angels around them, Lord, as they charge into this battlefield, Lord. I pray that through all that they do, Lord, that your name above all else would be magnified, God. I pray that the lost would see them, Lord Jesus, and see what's different about them. And I pray that they would tell them that it's you, God. It's you above all else, Lord Jesus. Lord, I speak victory in their lives, Lord God. Whether it's in, whether it's in academics, Lord, whether it's in sports, Lord Jesus, I pray for excellence on your people, Lord God. Lord, they are guided by your Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus. I pray that they would listen to it, Lord. I pray that they would listen to it above all else, God. Protect them, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that awesome today? That's from one of our young people, Robin Pierce. Robin's fought a lot of battles over the last couple of years. She is the assistant principal, one of the assistant principals in West Monroe High School. She's a member of our church. She's a wonderful lady. She's going to pray over the teachers, and I know that's her heart today. So we ask her today to pray over the teachers in our church. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you, Austin. <laughs> it was amazing. And it's it's. It's amazing how everything works out because he was saying that he's not much of a public speaker, neither am I. I know I work at Westmore High School, and when I'm in my element, I'm in my element, but this is just not what I do. So, but I do pray. So when I was asked, I was like, ooh, okay. And I just started praying and asking God, what, what do you want me to say and what do you want me to do? And I, and I see so much every day. And um, last year I was out almost the entire year just to give you a little bit, a little kind of synopsis of how it is for me. Our school is one of the largest schools in Louisiana, and not only by number, but by size. If you've never driven by it, I mean, it's humongous. And uh, I am one of the administrators, and I'm in the trenches. I'm in discipline and attendance, so I'm down there in the midst of the kids, and we have over 2,000 kids. So let me tell you, I know that the lawmakers say that prayer's out of the schools, but they didn't take prayer out of me, so I'm praying every day. It's like we So what we're going to do now is pray for not only our teachers, but anybody that works in the school system in any capacity at all, because 
we know how daunting it can be, but we have to keep praying. We have to keep walking those halls, binding and loosening. We have to keep using those scriptures that we know because we have authority. We do. Okay, so and we have to plead the blood every day. And I have to do that on a regular basis. So help me pray with everyone, please, as we go before God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word here today. And thank you for each and every person, oh God. I ask that you move right now in a mighty way over every person that you placed in schools in any capacity, oh God. We need you. We need your guidance right now, Lord God. Let our light shine, O oh Lord God. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Give us courage to do your will as we go about this job each and every day, Lord. We know you placed us there for a reason, O oh God, and we want to be used mightily by you, Jesus. Oh God, give us the courage, O oh God, to speak life into situations. Oh God, to speak against anything that's not like you, God, and to plead the blood each and every day. Oh, Lord God, cover us, oh, Lord. Keep us healthy. Keep us with a sound mind, oh, God. Keep us strong mentally, emotionally, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, oh, Lord God, I believe right now, Lord God, that this school year, Lord God, chains will be broken, Father. People will be saved and delivered, oh, God. Our light will shine, oh, God, as you move on each and every school, each and every person here right now. In the name of Jesus, right now. Now. Amen. Give Robin a hand. Isn't that awesome today? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for our teachers today. I pray the anointing of God upon every one of them every day. I pray for our students today that you would let angels walk with them through the hallways of their schools in every class. Surround them with angels, Lord. Surround them with your presence, Lord. Let the world be driven back by the forces and the power of God. Let the Holy Spirit of God administer to them the things of goodness and grace and graciousness every day. Let them learn well, but Lord, more than anything else, let them be spiritually sound and let them know the power of your name let them learn to speak the name of Jesus. Let them learn to fall into your hands every day, Lord. I pray that you would protect. I pray that you would guide. I pray for teachers to teach with unction, O oh Lord. And I know that is secular, but I ask you, Lord, to anoint their mind, to let them speak to kids in such a way that they would move them toward the cross. I pray for all of our students and our teachers today. Let the hand of God be upon them. And Lord, more than anything else, Austin said it in his prayer, but I say it to you again today. We speak victory. We speak victory today. We speak victory in the name of Jesus today. We believe victory is on our hands today. We speak it by faith in the name of Jesus. They're going to sing a song. Don't anybody move. Stay right where you are. Let's worship. This is the closing moments. As a matter of fact, we'd love for you to come down and stand with our students and worship with us this morning.